Alex, last week, you and I dissected. We went full academic on a video of two Boston Red Sox fans who found the Boston Red Sox 2018 ALEs championship banner. This week, for the second straight week, we have some Boston Red Sox fan news to talk about. Did you see this? Do you know what I'm referring to? The Giancarlo Stanton home run? I do know what you're referring to. That's good, because we <laughs> talked about this before the podcast, and I'd, I'd like to think that you did, would have warned me before that, but <laughs> had to make sure. Uh, so if you don't know, Giancarlo Stanton hit an absolute moonshot against the Red Sox, and it uh, it landed up there in the Green Monster, and the guy sitting up there in the Green Monster... He caught it, and in typical fan fashion, when the rival of your team hits a home run, he threw it back on the field. But this guy, I assume because he's a true Bleeds Red Sox fan, he not only threw it back, he threw it, like I guess, as far as he could, all the (laughs) way back to the infield. (laughs) And it ended up bouncing and hitting Giancarlo Stanton during his home run trot. I want to ask you, Jalen and Jacoby did this segment called Soft Move or Boss Move. So we're going to do a little, a, a relative of that segment. Was this a good move, a <laughs> bad move, or something else? <laughs> do you support um, this decision? Do you, do you think this was dangerous and reckless? Or would you do this if you were the fan? <laughs> <laughs> I mean... All right. I guess I guess you got to respect him for at the very least putting something on the throw, right? Like if you're just going to like toss it over the the fence so that it lands on the uh on the warning track, I don't think that's a very interesting thing to do. Uh my my actual take is this is a pretty dumb fan habit. Like it's a pretty dumb thing to do to throw what is essentially garbage onto the field, you know, um, not to mention like, you know, if he gets another uh, four feet on the throw, it hits Stanton on the head or something like that. Right. Like it's not a safe practice, certainly, but, no. uh, but, you know, I, I guess I got to admire the dedication to it and he got escorted out of the game after that. So I appreciate the dedication to the cause. I don't know where I, I don't know how I feel about this because generally I tend to think, similarly to what we will be talking about later with CC Spathia. I don't think you should be throwing projectiles into places where they could hit people. <laughs> yeah. But like, it's going really slow. They're all professional athletes. Like, you could make the argument that Stanton wasn't expecting it, so he would have been, like, caught off guard and whatnot. But, like, you know, he has things hit at him a lot faster than that very <laughs> often, and though he doesn't even have a glove, like, I don't know. I think it's dumb. Like, throwing the ball back is, it's whatever. I'm pretty indifferent on that, but, like, launching it back was a little much for me <laughs> i mean i'll it say it's very like, boston fan though it was very boston fan i mean part of it is like i mean this guy was like yeah look at me man i uh i played baseball in high school i was a left fielder <laughs> yeah i didn't think his throw was particularly impressive he didn't look any better than you and i when we would have a catch and we would try to long toss and not be able to get the ball to each other oh no absolutely not <laughs> 
he had the benefit of being like 100 feet in the air so he didn't even really have to throw it that far yeah he really didn't i mean i guess on the spectrum of annoying things that fans do this is lower on the list just because i it takes up all of maybe five seconds or so and then everyone's forgotten that it happened already um and it provides a, a brief moment of entertainment so you know it's not it's not like the wave or anything like that oh the wave is unacceptable I went to the uh, Angels A's game on Friday night and they were trying to start the wave from like the fourth inning on yeah. and it was the section just to the right of me. So it was even worse because they were like the most, the people that I was around were like the most enthusiastic about it because they were <laughs> the ones trying to get it to go. Yeah. I'm like, God, just put an end to me. All right. We're not going to be the podcast that just rants against the, against the wave the whole time. <laughs> Wait, real, because... real quick, before, before we detour too far from the wave. Yeah. We haven't done a, a wave rant um, just because it's, I don't know, it's low hanging fruit. But when you, uh, when you text me, if, if low hanging fruit disqualified us from doing segments on our podcast, we wouldn't have a podcast just for the record. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. But that's, it's more like, you know, of all the things to like rant against, that's like the, the really like easy one. Like we try and, we try and dig up some, some better rants than that. But, uh, yeah, true. but, but when you texted me the other day and you were like, ah, oh, I hate the wave. And I was like, I do too. Um, I started Googling around a little bit. I don't really know what compelled me to do this, um, but I found a uh, an article in the New York Times from 1984 titled "Help Stop oh the Wave," and I just want to read you this lead because it's the oh my God. It's, it's, <laughs> it's the best lead to an anti-wave piece I've ever read. All right, hit me with it. Like acid rain defoliating the countryside or a new strain of virus or killer bees mercilessly <laughs> working their way up the Americas, a new plague has spread from the Middle West, reaching New York over the weekend. It is called <laughs> the wave and it is spread by that notorious carrier of dread diseases, television. It was spotted in Shea Stadium over the weekend as the Mets tried to conduct baseball <laughs> and it may oh, leap no. across the Triborough Bridge to Yankee Stadium for tonight's game with the tigers wow i have to applaud george vexy for this inspired uh piece of writing george come on the pod please do this is better than any rant we could make (laughs) um all right well i'm bobby wagner i'm alex paisley and we are tipping pitches the podcast that's spreading the plague across the united (laughs) states like acid rain man Alex, yesterday was a very emotional day for the both of us, but for me in particular, the guy I grew up idolizing, loving, my number one boy, David Wright. He's calling it quits, more or less. I mean, the Mets won't say the R word, but he played in his final game yesterday. Uh, I can't remember. I mean, potentially this kind of situation has happened before, and there have been players who kind of come out there and hobble their way through their final game, but this was like a very over the top ceremony. Like it all happened on the field in the middle of an inning. And I'm very gracious to the Miami Marlins for being like cool about it. Yeah. <laughs> and I guess I didn't really have much of a choice because it was at City Field, but they were really, I guess, nice about it as well. Um, and I thought it was a really nice ceremony. I thought it was surprisingly handled well by the New York Mets organization. I mean, all the stuff leading up to it wasn't handled great. And uh, him being at the podium with Jeff Wilpon afterwards for the whole time was kind of weird. Like, 
maybe just kind of get out of the shot a little bit guy just let david have his moment alone but um in general the whole idea of having a day where they planned it in advance everyone knows there's going to be a sold out stadium and the whole thing with like his daughter throwing out his first pitch to him it's just it just it's pulling on the heartstrings man so i feel pretty good about how it ended up going down but i um also feel a giant hole in the middle of my chest that i'm not gonna have david Wright to root for anymore yeah and and we usually get like one or two of these a year these like really kind of um illustrious sort of over the top retirement ceremonies and and they hurt every time man i mean i think the last time i was so I got so emotional watching one like this was maybe like Mariano Rivera when he retired and like Andy Pettit and Derek Jeter came out to relieve him uh, or to like yeah. take him out of the game. Right. And he just like started crying into Andy Pettit's shoulder. That one tore me to pieces. But, uh, but this was Prince Fielder was, tore me to pieces too. It was less so on the field cause he wasn't allowed to play anymore. It was the, the press conference afterwards. Yeah. Th- I mean, that one just, there wasn't even like a mix of like happiness and sadness. That was just kind of like pain, pure, pure hurt right there. But yeah, so David came out, um, took two ABs and then they took him out of the game in like the top of the fifth inning. Um, I'm not going to lie. I kind (laughs) of, I kind of feel like they could have given him one more at bat. I mean, he ended it with like a pop out to first base and it, it was, it, it, it hurt. I mean, it was it was happy, but it hurt because like he walked back at the to the dugout just like with this huge grin on his face. I think in yeah. part because he kind of knew that like that would be it, you know. And and there's a part of me that that wishes that Mickey had just like let him go out there for one more. I mean, it's not like there was really anything to lose. It's not like you're getting much lower than a foul pop out to first base, right? So, um, <laughs> and the ceiling of him hitting like a home run. And Queens literally exploding, uh, I think was a would have been pretty cool. But I think uh, we would have lost an entire borough of New York City if that happened. We literally, literally would have. <laughs> you should have gone, man. You should have shot the lock off your wallet and gone. Yeah, I, I guess so. I would have um, Venmoed you the funds from the tipping pitches <laughs> joint account where we make a lot of money for doing this podcast. I know you, we I, we could have just crowdsourced it, man. Send me to David Wright's final game. <laughs> <laughs> here's my gofundme send me to david wright's final game <laughs> it'll pop up right between the like three people who have cancer and don't have health insurance yep <laughs> where's the priority on that one yeah he probably could have got another at bat but like what if he struck out you know like it, it's it's not guaranteed that it would have been a better at bat and i think i mean didn't that game end up going into extra innings <laughs> yeah it's like talk about like a a really weird like epilogue that the fans had to sit through like the whole story had basically ended in the sixth inning and they were yeah there seriously to I watch mean, the rest of the game and and david was gonna like speak after the game and it was a fireworks night and all of a sudden it's like 11 30 and mets fans are like is this game gonna end at, like ever <laughs> they should have just <laughs> lost the game they should have just like intentionally walked the winning run in i saw a you know the the like thinking meme of like the guy tapping his uh his forehead where uh and the and the caption was like, David Wright can never retire if the game never ends. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Um, did you watch any of the press conference? Um, I saw highlights of it, but I didn't watch the whole thing. No, I was watching. I was watching a little bit, and he was just he was peak David Wright. You know, like yeah, 
gracious as always, very thankful to all of the Mets fans primarily in the organization, which has treated him like shit, but he was really nice about it. Um, I don't want to say the organization has actually treated him like shit, but they've failed him, you know, yeah. over the last six or seven years. They've just, there's no other way to say it. They failed him. They should have won in 2015. They should have been competitive for the last few years. And, uh, and that sucks. But I think politics aside, Bill de Blasio giving us a David Wright day, man, that's the best thing he's done since I've known who he was. <laughs> <laughs> so do the subways next, David. <laughs> Honestly, if he ran for mayor, he would get votes. I think he might win. It's quite possible. <laughs> the bar is on the ground at this point. Though, let's be real, he'd probably run as a Republican. Whoops. <laughs> Shh. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Don't ruin the moment. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, I don't have much more to add about David. I will forever be wearing his jersey. Uh, I will forever support him as my first favorite Met. And that's that's a hard thing to replace. Yeah. Our captain, man. From our captain to our future baseball commissioner, David <laughs> Wright, to CC Sabathia. Alex, you tweeted in support of CC Sabathia beating someone and then saying, that's for you, bitch, to the dugout <laughs> of the Rays. Can you justify this logic for me? You know what? Yeah, I can. <laughs> Let's hear it. Beanball is good now. You heard it here first. Oh my god. Um I'd like to preface this by saying it was a uh, it was a one-off tweet. I uh I probably did not <laughs> did not mean the uh the amount of emotion that maybe it seems like it went into it. Um so CC Zabathia, everyone is pointing out that CC Zabathia was two innings away from like an incentive. So like whether or not he knew it. Um, if he'd pitched two more innings, that's like $500,000 right there. Um, I feel like you probably knew it. That's the type of thing that like your agent reminds you of as you're going into the game. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So he knew it. He was like two more innings. I mean, he was like, you know, this that's is scientific the- analysis that I just did right there. <laughs> he knew it for sure. Now we know for sure that he knew. Um, it, it was the fifth inning. So like he could have done it. He was pitching a good game, but nope, he got up there. And it's the fifth inning, and CC Zabathia hits Jake Bowers uh, like on the wrist. I think accidentally. There's really no reason for him to just kind of bean someone out of the blue. Uh, and then the Rays come back and throw in the vicinity of uh, Austin Romine's head. Like he ha- he had to hit the deck for it. Uh, clearly, most likely intentional. Like it, it would not make sense for you don't see balls just kind of generally uh you don't see pitchers miss in the direction of batters heads and so cc zabathia the next inning came out and hit jesus sucre on the thigh and then as got tossed obviously and as he walked off the field pointed to the rays dugout and said that's for you bitch (laughs) we have talked on this podcast about how beanball is bad and i stand by that uh, forever. It is bad. But, it is bad. All jokes aside, beanball is dumb. <laughs> beanball is dumb. However, I just, there's a part of me that just has to admire the um, the shamelessness on CC Sabathia's part. Rarely do you ever see pitchers admit that they were throwing at someone, right? After the game, um, it's, it's pretty rare and you get fined for it if, uh, or suspended. If you come out and be like, yeah, that was on purpose. CC Sabathia was like, no, I'm standing up for my teammate. I'm saying, fuck your money. 
uh, fuck your thigh. I, uh, Austin Romine, man, who I guess everyone needs to stand up for once in a while. Um, I, uh, that's about it, man. He had something at stake and he was like, he was like, yeah, I don't need the $500,000. I'm going to, I'm just going to go for it. Yeah. $500,000 ain't shit. Yeah. Who needs it? Who needs it anyway? Um, yeah, I, I see what you mean. It was off the thigh, whatever. Everybody takes one off the thigh once in a while. Yeah. Beanball's bad, but unless your name is CC Sabathia, in which case, uh, Beanball's good. Hypocrisy is good also. Hypocrisy is good. Yes. <laughs> okay. So what we've learned so far from the first three segments is that Boston fans are crazy. <laughs> David Wright is the very best and Beanball is good. If you're yeah. not CC Sabathia. That's fine. If we limit it just to CC Sabathia and everybody else it's bad for, with great power comes great responsibility, and I trust CC Sabathia with that power. Yeah, I trust him too, man. I I would let CC Sabathia hit me with a pitch. You know, if if he was like definitely, if he was like, hey man, I gotta stand up for my teammates. I'd be like, here's my thigh, bro. I'd stick it out. <laughs> All right, let's take a quick break. When we come back, we're gonna talk about the wild and crazy playoff picture. Last week, Alex, we joked that now that the playoffs are starting, we're going to do an episode every day. And you heard it here first. We're sticking to that. Are you ready? Every single day. How about two a day? <laughs> two a day. <laughs> one in the morning, one after the games. We yeah, wake up, I we like get that. out real early before the games start, and then we stay up late. We just don't even sleep at all for a month. How do you, what do you feel about that? I Frankly, we might as well just do it live because no one's going to listen to it after the fact. <laughs> we just have cameras on us for a month straight. <laughs> Yeah, I think we're just turning ourselves, we're literally turning ourselves into a radio show. Oh boy, um, I don't think I could ever do that. Anyway, we're not going to be doing an episode every day. We're probably going to stick to our weekly our weekly format because what we do best is not necessarily, you know, live reaction and analysis stuff, but we decided in order to preview those playoffs and get to give them their proper due because let's face it, this is what we live for, right? Let's give this some MLB promo. For, yeah. This is what we live for. <laughs> <laughs> um, October baseball is truly. I I saw because I was watching, I don't know, like the Penn State Ohio State game yesterday or, or whatever, and I saw like on the ticker underneath like Dodgers playoff or or in like a commercial Dodgers playoff baseball starting soon, and I was like, oh my god, it really hit me all at once that like October baseball is going to be really starting. And I am just juiced to watch like six hours of baseball a day. Yeah, I'm insanely excited. And I'm even more excited by the fact that we're recording this on a Sunday. This episode will probably come out, you know, tomorrow. Um, We still may not know what the playoff picture looks like. This is in theory the last day of baseball, but it very well may not be because um, we, we talked about this before the podcast, approximately none of the NL playoff picture is uh, locked up. So we pretty much can't preview the National League playoffs because we just don't know, man. The Rockies might uh, be the NOS champions or it might be the Dodgers or the Brewers might have the top seed. Raise your hand if you thought 
that the Atlanta Braves would be the only team that knows their playoff position <laughs> on the last day of the regular season. Jesus. Yeah, certainly not me. Um, so you had an idea, which I thought was a good one, which is why we're doing it, because this is a collaborative process we have here at Tipping Pitches. To preview the playoffs, we thought we would choose each choose one or maybe two players that we thought would have a weird breakout in the postseason. So since you had the wonderful idea, I will allow you to go first. Alex, who do you think is going to be 2018's rando, 2018's Charlie Culberson? <laughs> yeah, there's always there's always someone, right? Like David Ross, uh, Rajay Davis. Like it's it's usually it's either the the utility guy who just hasn't David seen Freeze. very much time, yeah, or David Freeze, or like the David veteran. Eckstein. It's someone named David. Yeah, it's it's gonna be someone named David. Um, except my pick, <laughs> I didn't think about that, so my pick is not named David. Uh, but, is fine. Uh, my my thinking is this year it's gonna be Brock Holt because he perfectly fits that mold of the guy who's mostly been like a utility player for his whole life, but with Dustin Pedroia out for the year, he has basically become the Red Sox everyday second baseman, and he's been pretty good. And he's got the defense down. He's like a kind of a light hitting. He's got a little bit of speed, but he he fits perfectly into that mold. Like the Marco Scudero type guy who very well could come out and just hit like two home runs in the World Series, uh, at like very pivotal points. And he's a he's like a scrappy player, too. He's like got the long hair, you know. He very much fits mm-hmm. kind of that the the Boston archetype. So I'm uh I'm excited to see what happens, but that's my uh, that's my pick. One year removed from Andrew Benatendi hype, you've already picked someone to basically take Andrew Benatendi's spot as the Boston looking guy. Yeah, no, he literally. I'm looking at pictures of Brock Holt right now, and he could be played by like Mark Wahlberg or, <laughs> or Matt Damon. He's like just a combination of the two. Yeah, that would be a really sad version of the Brock Holt story. The, the, the like 30 <laughs> years later version. <laughs> He's coming back for the the adult rec league softball. He's still got a little pop in his bat, but he doesn't. He's not as fleet of foot as he used to be, Alex. <laughs> he's like Shoeless Joe after the uh, lifetime suspension, playing under different <laughs> names. <laughs> uh, yeah, it could happen, but he's a uh, yeah. I think this is where where he makes his name and breaks out on the uh, on the national stage. He hits the go ahead home run. Off of, um, uh, I don't know, Mike Fulton. Dellen Batances. Dellen Batances, sure. In a rivalry matchup. I think the Dodgers are going to get to the World Series again, and Clayton Kershaw is going to bomb, and it's going to be all because of Brock Holt. Probably. That, honestly, that probably will happen. That feels like the most likely occurrence. <laughs> <laughs> it really does, right? Um, I so the so the Red Sox the AL playoff picture is pretty set. So the Red Sox will be playing the Yankees or the A's, right? Yes. That's juicy, man. That's it juicy. Super juicy. Um, my pick is from your very own Oakland Athletics, who, as I mentioned earlier, I saw on Friday night. And I mean, I know we've talked about him because we talked about the throw on this podcast. And we talked about, I think we might have mentioned just like how he sort of outperformed our expectations and everyone's expectations for him. But um, it's your boy, center fielder. Ramon Laureano, who is yeah. an absolute wizard out there. He uh the A's did not play very well on Friday night. They were getting one hit <laughs> yeah. into like the eighth inning. And then they put up five runs in the eighth inning. And one of those runs was 
Loriano scoring from first on like a two hopper to left fielder. Um, it ended up being a double because there was a throw to home, but he is just a blur out there. And you know how in October in the World Series or whatever, we're just assuming that the A's are going to the World Series because that's what's going to happen. Yeah, they are. Um, they have the like Taco Bell steal a base, steal a taco shit. <laughs> Definitely going to be Loriano to be the one to do that. That's my take. Absolutely. Yeah, I, um, I, I could see that. For sure. And he's been... He's not even like the defensive light hitting archetype that usually is the guy who randomly breaks out because you've got to be able to play defense to continue to play through October. He has been hitting Daniel Murphy. Jesus. That's a, that's too soon, man. Too soon. Loriano <laughs> so far has hit 292 this year. 362 OBP, 132 WRC plus. He used to be in the Astros minor league system. But they had so many good players that they couldn't protect him on the 40, so they traded him um, to the A's for not very much, right? I don't remember what they got back for him. But um, but players who were younger who didn't need to be protected on the 40-man roster yet. And it looks like if you're another team in the AL, or, or anywhere, I guess, really, if you're another team, you should just be looking for players in the Astro system who they have no room left to protect anymore. <laughs> Or you should be looking to rule five draft their players because right now it's Loriano and JD Martinez who are the two big guys who are former Astros players who they couldn't protect. Yeah, I would say that if you're a baseball team in 2018, uh, replicating the Astros model is not a bad way to go. Things have worked out, generally speaking, pretty well for them. And uh, and yeah, it's they they just have all the the riches in the world right now, man. So just yeah, pluck some like double A reliever out of their minor league system, and he's probably going to turn into uh, you know Charlie Morton or whoever. Yeah. Real quick, lastly on Loriano, he's had he's played in forty seven games this year. He's had one hundred seventy four plate appearances, and he's been worth two full WAR already, which is the average MLB player. That's like a decent to good MLB players to yeah. war. So he's done that in literally like a quarter of a season, basically yeah. <laughs> um, a little more than a quarter of a season, I guess more like a third of a season, but you multiply that out. He's a six war center fielder in his first full season with the athletics who just basically stole him from the Astros franchise. It's a pretty good move. That's a pretty a good bet. I think Loriano is going to be the guy. I, yeah, I could totally see that because he's, an- another scrappy player who like like you were saying the stolen bases that's a that's a good pick with that one um and plus he very well could show off that cannon that he has shown off before right he's going to make he is going to make some defensive play i don't know what it's going to be yeah. if it's going to be with the glove or the legs or the arm but uh but yeah he's going to be out there man tell the people the stat that you were feeding me live while i was watching it you're just my <laughs> You're my play-by-play guy. You're my color commentator while I'm watching <laughs> baseball games. I text you during the feed me or feed the people the stat that you fed me during the game. Um, so Ramon Laureano, he is in the 90th percentile or the top 10% of all major leaguers in barrel rate, sprint speed, and arm strength, which is kind of insane. So that means, I mean, this is all just like stat cast wonky stuff at this point, and we don't need to get too far down the rabbit hole, but it <laughs> means that he's hitting the ball really, really well. He's hitting it hard at the right uh, launch angle. Um, he is running really fast, which is 
again, good quality to have. And he throws the ball really hard. He's one of two players in baseball to um, have all three of those boxes checked. So I don't know, man. Looks like a future star to me. Mike Trout doesn't have that. Mike Trout's not the other player. Mookie Betts isn't the other player. My favorite thing that we do is we say Mike Trout doesn't even do that. Yeah. Because apparently Mike Trout has to lead in every single category, including stat cast categories, <laughs> including advanced analytics and traditional analytics. He literally in order for us to acknowledge that he's the best player of all. Time. He literally does. <laughs> Mike Trout is fucking ridiculous. Before you continue, he hit a home run in his second at bat. Opposite field off Mike Fires. I mean, I know Mike Fires, whatever, 90 miles an hour, it doesn't it go straight, whatever. Point being, he didn't even make it very good contact. It was like not a great launch angle, didn't really look great off the bat. And I'm looking up and I'm like, is that going to get out of here? Is that, uh, 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 there it goes. <laughs> Wait, what were you like? And then Mike Trout, <laughs> and then Mike Trout just sauntering around the bases like he does. He is legitimately, I, he's just one of the best athletes in the world. It's insane. And he, we just forget about him because he plays in the middle of nowhere in Anaheim. Yeah, it's, it's incredible, man. I was watching highlights of him the other day, and it's just so fundamentally sound. And then you listen to interviews, and it's, it's one of those things where, like, I just don't think he can properly put into words what he does just because, you know, he's been touched by God. Like, what do you say? Like, I've just been touched by God. That's how I'm the best player of all time. Uh, that's what Ricky Henderson would say. That is what Ricky Henderson would say. And <laughs> not wrong either. But uh, yeah, I just don't think Trout can effectively convey to people how he does the things that he does, probably because he doesn't even know what he's doing. He's like, yeah, I just I just am. I'm just good. Like, that's just what it is. <laughs> yeah. The sun just rises and I just hit dingers. <laughs> Pretty much. And then I go to bed or then I go home. Then I watch Eagles highlights and then I wake up the next day and there's the <laughs> sun again and there's my dingers. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, because I chose someone who's going to be playing in the wild card game and he very well, if something goes wrong, we know that's not going to happen because the A's are going to the World Series. Yeah. But if something goes wrong and that doesn't happen, um, I wanted to hedge a little bit because I don't want to pick a guy who's just going to be out in one game because that would be unfortunate. It's <laughs> no fun. So... <laughs> I'm going to go with a uh, future darling of America, Yandy Diaz. Yeah. And if you don't know, Yandy Diaz is the future darling of America because his arms are both the size of my thighs. Yeah. Literal tree trunks. For arms. Not even for legs. Just for arms. Yeah. And we were talking about him because we were running down the lineups of the teams that are, uh, you know, safely in a spot that wasn't a wild card spot. And... You mentioned him and you were like, yeah, him and his arms are just going to hit a bunch of dingers this this postseason. And I went and I looked at his line and he has one home run this year. Yeah. One home run this year. I know. He's built like Thor and he has one home run this year. Um, but he is hitting 306 and slugging 407. So like that's not terrible. I think he could have a decent postseason but mostly i just wanted an excuse to talk about how ridiculous he looks so that if you are listening and you haven't seen what yandy diaz looks you google image search this man yeah you you really need to i'm i am assuming i'm hoping that he makes the playoff roster because he didn't get called up until i want to say sometime in august um or maybe it was even september so 
I, I don't know. Yes, we yeah. the, the America played thirty eight games. Yeah, America needs him because he really just is a a freak of nature. Honestly, he's just like this <laughs> massive human being, right? Like you said, his arms are the size of your legs. Like his arms are the size of Yoannis Cespedes' legs. <laughs> <laughs> Like that's the barometer right there. That's like okay. Yoannis who was looking thick at David Wright's retirement thing yeah, yesterday. Yeah, he was. He was looking husky. <laughs> he has been packing it on since his injury, man. Yeah. Um. Ah, oh, love him. Miss him. I like to remember sometimes that he's on my team. Yeah. He's because uh, he's never actually playing on my team. Yeah. Well, um, you can dream. Yeah. Exactly. Yandu Diaz. Imagine being a team so good that you call someone up, he hits 306, and you don't even put him on your playoff roster. That's fucked up. Yeah, right? The Indians the, are good. The Indians are insanely good. We just kind of forget about them because they're toiling over in the American League Central, but they have really good players. Like, they have Francisco Lindor. Remember him? Jose Ramirez? I do he's remember really good. him. Michael Brantley. He's incredible. We did, um for the Ringer MLB show, we did a all-ringer team. And they just went through each position and chose the guy that was most likely to be loved, adored, talked about. He fit the fit the brand the most. And we were like struggling to find a shortstop. I don't know why, because there are so many good shortstops. Yeah, that's like the deepest we were, position. I know. They were well, they were struggling to settle on one. And I and I was like, guys, you, is it too obvious to pick Francisco Lindor? Are we trying to be like hipster? Is that why no one's brought him up yet? And they were just like not nearly as excited about Francisco Lindor as I was. And I was like, he's what? the savior of Cleveland. He's the savior of Cleveland. How the phrase not excited about Francisco Lindor just doesn't compute with me. <laughs> I mean, I think because they are excited about so many other players, also, they ended up choosing Manny Machado, which like, I, it, I, I Lindor excites me more personally. Yeah, but like for the 2018 All Ringer team, like Machado was at the the entire trade deadline essentially yeah and he got traded from a team from the orioles and like you know mallory rubin one of the top people at the rear is a huge orioles fan so he's the more ringer i guess that's fair but me throwing out francisco lindor and somebody not immediately being like yes love let's give him all the shine we possibly can it was a very foreign feeling to me because i know if you and i were doing an all tipping pitches team i'd put him at every position frankly (laughs) (laughs) he's playing short and second he's just playing right over the second base bag honestly put him out there on the mound too i want to see loriano on the mound i do too yeah or matt chapman you have anybody yeah true do you have he watching him in person was wild yeah because he the way that he just like i know they always say that i can literally hear my little league coaches in my head being like get in a get in a fielding position you know but the way that he gets in a fielding position is it's some literal Spider-Man shit. Yeah. Yeah. He's uh, ready at all times. It's pretty mar- remarkable. He didn't even, I don't even think he got any balls hit to him in the entire game. Maybe like, maybe like one weak grounder, but he didn't even make any good plays. I still just enjoyed watching him get ready to make good plays. <laughs> That's a next level of defensive wizardry. Yeah, seriously. All right. You have anyone else you want to hedge for? You have any, I, I got to throw out two names. So do you want to throw out another name? It's, it's probably going to end up being like Ian Desmond. <laughs> I, I, can, I could actually see that happen because uh, he's like, he somehow manages to still hit home runs. I don't know how old he, he's not as old as one would think, but like Rockies signed him to a really bizarre contract that is denounced by just about everyone around baseball. He never really lives up to it. Wait, and what position is he playing for them? He's Second? a first, first baseman. <laughs> oh, oh. 
What? Yeah. Who's playing second for them? DJ LeMahieu. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. He's good too. The Rockies yeah. are good. Wow. Yeah. yeah okay. The Rockies. Anyway. The Rockies are good. Great offense. Uh, you get to play in cores. That's helpful. Um, but he's gonna. Ian Desmond put up a 2020 season this year, and everyone roasts him. Second season, second straight season of posting negative WAR. But I, there's there's a part of me that just feels like he he's gonna use this as an opportunity to just kind of prove everyone wrong, or at the very least, be like, see, I at least I was maybe a little bit worth it by hitting like a clutch home run in the wild card game that sends them to, you know, the NLDS or something. And then they get eliminated because they're not going to beat the Braves. But um, it's an all time. It's a major flex by you to choose someone to break out in the playoffs who just finished a season playing in Colorado with negative four. Yeah, I know. A hitter playing in Colorado with negative four. Yeah. He hit 240 (laughs) at cores. Like, how do you do that? I don't know, dog. But he was like, Three years ago, he was like the Nationals' long-term solution at shortstop, and they were going to play Trey Turner in center field. Yeah, and like the reason that Trey Turner moved to shortstop is because Ian Desmond couldn't field a ground ball. Yeah, he was really good. He's also I know it also helps that he's uh he's good looking. I think that it'll it'll be easy for him to become America's sweetheart that way. He's got that jawline working for him. Oh, that worked for Charlie Culberson last year. It totally also hitting four thirty-five hit worked for Charlie Culberson last year. Yeah, that works. Did you see the the clip of Ian Desmond and the Rockies catcher like hyping each other up and they're like slapping each other in the face in the dugout and like yelling at each other it was I love that it was something else to watch man and you have to think that uh if he pulls off some heroics that clip is going to get played just showing how uh how just how much of a a grinder he is you know he's gritty he he works hard he just grinds out every at bat even though he doesn't really because he's not very good but <laughs> All right, you you heard it here first. Negative four, Ian Desmond is gonna be the uh, World Series MVP. Yep. Okay, Alex has muted his mic. He's ready for me to take him to school. I'm about to give the definitive take about Jacob deGrom and how he should win the 2018 MVP. Alex, are you ready? Turn the mic back on. I'm so ready. Okay, you sent a tweet a few weeks ago that's still, you know, causing people to argue in our mentions. And if you're listening and you're one of those people arguing, please stop. Um, That Jacob deGrom had to full fan graphs were more than the more than the highest position player and that in 2014 Clayton Kershaw had only 0.2 fan graphs were higher than the next position player so that gap has narrowed a little bit right now um Jake has 8.8 fan graphs were and uh and Yelich who is in second has 7.4 Anthony Rendon is actually the next NL player behind Christian Yelich which is wild because still somehow nobody talks about him <laughs> um he's at 6.2 fangraphs war and then scherzer is at 7.2 so um in baseball reference war which has largely and weirdly overvalued pitchers this year um the leaders in overall um position players and pitchers it's jake at 10.1 uh nola at 9.9 aaron nola from the phillies scherzer 9.6 
Kyle Freeland from the Rockies at 8.2, and then Christian Yelich bringing up the rear at 7.4. So Christian Yelich is the same in both Baseball Reference and Fangraphs. So the only people that appear in the top five of both Fangraphs and Baseball Reference are DeGrom and Yelich. So let's look at those two. A common argument that you will hear about why pitchers should not win MVP is they only play every five days. How can a player that's most valuable to their team only be playing in 20% of their team's games? And that would make sense, except for the fact that in those 20% of games, pitchers are literally the whole thing. They're the whole show, baby. They do it all. (laughs) DeGrom this year has faced 835 total batters, and Yelich has only had 643 plate appearances. So if you want to look at it from that standpoint, and maybe that's a little bit unfair because if you pitch poorly, you face more batters. Or if you give up more hits and walks and whatever, you face more batters. But if you want to look at it just from in terms of total batters that each or total played appearances that each player affected, DeGrom's like almost 200 played appearances ahead of Yelich. And in those played appearances, uh, DeGrom is giving up a 281 batting average on balls in play compared to the 294 league average for pitchers. So he's doing a little bit better on BABIP than the league average. But Yelich is hitting 368 on balls in play compared to the 296 league average for hitters. So I would argue that Yelich has been helped out more by his BABIP than Jake has been helped out by his. So that's DeGrom versus Yelich. That's the crux of the argument, right? Is that if you really dig deep into the numbers, if you look at the value that's been amassed over the season, DeGrom has been worth more. And, you know, there's the whole argument about pitcher wins and uh, being on a team during that that's going to make the playoffs even though explicitly in the voters guide it says the mvp need not be in the playoffs so the most recent precedent for an, a pitcher winning mvp is clayton kershaw in 2014 like you said so if we just compare jake to clayton kershaw which i think is fair because that's within the last four years right and it's safe to assume that baseball hasn't changed drastically in the last four years so if we go by Fangraphs war, since a lot of people have issues with baseball reference war and pitchers this year specifically, Fangraphs war is probably a little more suited to compare back to 2014 for this. Jake, 8.8 war, Kershaw, 7.6. Jake, 217 innings pitched, Kershaw, 198. Jake, 11.16 K per nine, Kershaw, 10.85. So basically across the board, DeGrom's been better. If you like fielding independent pitching, and you're listening to this podcast, I'm kind of surprised. But Kershaw was a little better in that aspect. So in terms of the precedent that has been set by pitchers winning MVP, all of the peripheral numbers suggest that Jake is just as good, if not better, than Kershaw when he won it. The main difference there being that Kershaw went 21-3 and and the Dodgers won their division. So all of this conversation is with a grain of salt based off how you feel about pitcher wins. Um, but I think we've made our, our feelings on that known finally the last part of my the last part of this lecture for y'all is uh in 2014 kershaw he largely won the mvp because there was weak competition from the position players that year kershaw himself had a better year the following year actually and you and i were talking about that in 2015 he was better in nearly every way imaginable for pitchers but that was the year that bryce harper went insane um and there was no way they were giving it to Kershaw over Bryce Harper, who, even though his team didn't make the playoffs, 
still had one of the best batting years for a player under 25 ever. And I think Harper was even younger than 25. So, so Kershaw compared favorably to McCutcheon in that, like you said in the tweet, he uh, outwarded him by about 0.2. He faced 101 more batters than McCutcheon had played appearances. McCutcheon's BABIP was a little more favorable to him than Kershaw's was on the mound. And then if you want to compare the the weak position players field this year to the weak position players during 2014 when Kershaw won. Yelich versus McCutcheon, same amount of war, 166 WRC plus for Yelich, 168 for McCutcheon, uh, 421 Woba for Yelich, 412 for McCutcheon, 643 played appearances right now. I know Yelich has one more game versus 648 for McCutcheon and 36 home runs this year for Yelich and 25 home runs for McCutcheon. So in large part, the players that they're going against are almost like eerily similar. Same amount of war, almost the same WRC plus, which is pretty hard to do. And Jake, by almost every measure, outperformed Kershaw. So he has a larger gap between him and the second best player in a year that's similar in the sense that the position players haven't really held up their end of the bargain. So... All that being said, I know that was a lot of numbers and it was probably very hard to follow and I probably lost you guys halfway through at some point. But in conclusion, he has a much bigger gap between the next best position player. Yelich, I know he's been playing really good as of late, but he's been like Mike Trout minus 41 games. You know, like if you took Trout and just he got injured for 40 games, that's what his season would look like, (laughs) which I don't feel like we should just be handing out the MVP for that because position players have... 162 full games to a mass value i know not i know that this is not going to happen i know there's no way he's going to win the mvp because all of the antiquated ways of thinking about winning games for your team your team making the playoffs mets have had a really disappointing season but if you've watched jake every game that he's pitched he has been everything that kershaw was to the dodgers and more but the dodgers just responded better and won more games while he was on the mound Alex, I need you to talk because I've run out of all the air in my lungs and I feel like I've been just reading off numbers for the last 15 minutes. <laughs> what do you think? You convinced me, man. <laughs> That's good news. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I think that the last point that you made is really the most important one, right? Is like, how much do you weigh where the team is in the playoff picture? And if the Mets had won the division, I think that Jacob DeGrom in a lot of people's minds is probably right at the top of the list just because a lot of people equate value to like how much you affected your team's uh, position in the playoff picture, which is not fair. I don't think you can penalize Mike Trout or Jacob DeGrom for being on a bad team. They didn't choose that. I would, I would argue that if you asked them if they wanted their team to be good, they would say yes. And they would also say that they've done their very best to make their team good. Um, and, and like you said, spiritually, we should align Jake and Mike Trout. We should put them on the same team. Oh yeah, absolutely. Like you said, they, DeGrom impacted more plate appearances. I mean, he had, you know, 74 of his own. So he impacted around 900 plate appearances on the season, which, uh, which is, you know, 30 ish percent more than Yelich did. And he was incredibly good in them. Um, so I, I think that what will capture pe- people's 
attention with Christian Yelich is he has a chance to hit the triple cr- hit for the triple crown, which I think in some in some realms of the sabermetrics community it has been debunked because RBI is not a great uh, statistic that indicates your talent level, um, but he's certainly having an impressive year, and I am not going to be devastated if he wins it because he's had a good year. But we were talking before we started recording just about he, you know, he's hit 36 home runs and he's hit 324, which is, don't get me wrong, it's very good, but it almost is kind of, we were both a little kind of, I guess, disappointed, right? That he has been the best player in the National League, the best hitter in the National League. And that's kind of where the line is. And you look over at the American League and there are four or five players who you could argue are having better seasons than him, um, whether it's Trout or Betts or uh, or Alex Bregman or Jose Ramirez. So anyway, all this to say that Jacob deGrom is a, is a very good player and he has been incredibly valuable to the Mets, even though they haven't taken advantage of it, right? And that's, you just, you can't fault him for that. I'm sorry. You just cannot fault Jacob deGrom for being in a shitty situation. No, and I think, I think we're just limiting ourselves in as fans and members of the media, if all we can talk about, if we're just eliminating pitchers, unless it's a year where if we're just eliminating pitchers, unless it's like an aberration of a year, like 2014, when none of the position players played particularly well enough. I mean, I know McCutcheon's great and I fucking love him as much as anybody that lives outside of Pittsburgh because they have a deep, deep connection with him. But why limit ourselves to a player pool of just position players? I mean, I know only a few pitchers are going to go above and beyond every year, but why not consider them? Why wouldn't we consider the most amount of players for MVP and make the conversation that much more rich and that much more interesting by trying to compare across positions? Like so many times for awards, we don't consider players because it would be hard to consider them. Like in basketball, for example, we don't consider Anthony Davis because his team didn't win enough games but like, what are the Pelicans without Anthony Davis? Or we don't consider LeBron every year because the Cavs had a weird year last year because they had a trash roster. But LeBron is clearly the best player every year and clearly the most important to his team because if he left, they would be garbage. So especially with the MVP discussion across sports, like we don't have the hard conversations because in the past they didn't know how to have the hard conversations. <laughs> and so now we just like don't challenge ourselves to do that. And I think... In baseball, such a rich statistical community, we can challenge ourselves to do better. We can say, DeGrom faced this many people, DeGrom amassed this much value. We trust war. We cite war in a lot of conversations. So why don't we trust it when it comes to this? Like, I don't think it should be the end all be all, but it should at least be a qualifier to get DeGrom in the conversation. And as it pertains to members of the traditional classical media, like he's not really in the conversation. He's not gonna finish probably in the top three i don't think and he's still there are still people debating that he shouldn't even win cy young when he's been scherzer would have to pitch i think it was like 110 scoreless innings before he caught degrom in era which is just like (laughs) i know he struck out 300 guys but that's mind-blowing to me that's mind-blowing to me and i think it's insane that if degrom got traded at the trade deadline god forbid he'd be in the mvp conversation but because the Mets decided that he was their most valuable player and they weren't going to trade him, he can't win MVP. Yeah. <laughs> if Christian Yelich was traded to the Orioles, 
would he not be an MVP anymore? Would he not be a candidate for that? I find that hard. I find that hard to believe. <laughs> Can you imagine if Christian Yelich got traded to the <laughs> Orioles? They flip Manny Machado, Machado for Yelich straight up. Yeah. What do you say? Who says no? What do you say? <laughs> the Brewers have like nine middle infielders on their roster then. Oh, boy. Yeah. I. That's a really good way of looking at it, I think. If Yelich, if the Brewers suddenly collapsed, is Yelich suddenly not MVP? If they lost the last 60 games of their season, does Yelich lose MVP? Even if he's did 324 and 36 home runs? Which I will also add is like a Freddie Freeman season. <laughs> Freddie Freeman does this every... He hits over 300 and over 25 home runs every year. <laughs> um, yeah, I think I think Yelich is deserving. I'm not going to like riot in the streets if he wins. I just think it's... It's lame and reductive and too easy not to have the conversation with the ground in it. Alright, Alex, we gotta we gotta wrap this up so that you and I can go watch the wild NL and how it unfolds and pray for just utter chaos. We're gonna pull a Heath Ledger's version of the Joker. And we just want to sow chaos throughout the league and hope for baseball tomorrow. <laughs> can can we just stop to kind of appreciate? I mean, this is we're recording uh, on the day of games 162, hoping for game 163. And this has just been such a weird and fun year of baseball. We have had, I mean, the Red Sox are one of the better teams we've seen in years. I mean, this is insane Mookie Betts is having a better season than Mike Trout that's weird uh on its own Mookie Betts is gonna win MVP and I'm not gonna be mad about it uh here are some things that have happened Blake Trinan has the lowest ERA of all time in 80 innings pitched (laughs) Chris Davis wow Chris Davis has the lowest batting average of all time of all time he's been one of the worst players of all time Kyle Freeland lowest ERA at cores of all time that's weird as hell. Why is he good in a hitter's ballpark? Also, the Yankees. Other Chris Davis. Other Chris Davis. 247 for the fourth straight year if he holds out today. Yeah, he needs to go like one for three, one for four. Or or like over two, I think. Yeah. Also, the Yankees, every single one of their players has hit 20 home runs, basically. I know. And the, All nine spots in the order. And they broke the team record. That's yeah. ridiculous. Not the, t- the all-time record. Yeah. Scherzer getting to 300 Ks weird right like i thought that was only going to be a kershaw thing for my life yeah that's crazy it's been it has been a lot of fun to uh to enjoy baseball this season and although it's not over (laughs) a lot of it is over and uh and so we just want to uh take a moment to thank our listeners for coming with us on this wild wild ride of the baseball season we've enjoyed kind of dissecting the the weirdest corners of it with you all and uh and you know remember to just like take a breath drink some water before this crazy october because things are about to heat up real quickly and uh and just like just like enjoy things you know well said alex basley just enjoy things keep an eye on our twitter feed during the playoffs it's going to be going off keep an eye on tippingpitches.atavis.com we hope to get at least a couple things up there during the playoffs just because this is our time to shine, baby. Tell your friends. Go subscribe to us on wherever you get your podcast, Radio Public specifically. 
and we will uh, we'll be back in your earbuds next week thanks everyone I'm spoiled by being in a recorded medium. If we ever had to do this for live radio, like if you say <laughs> someone terrible. like called us up and was like, I like your show, but I think we think we want to put it on drive time radio. You have to do it live. Like, yeah, fuck that. You might want to talk to somebody else. Yeah, after recording a podcast, I have a lot more respect for like radio hosts who just fucking sit there and blast, especially ones who are just alone. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just have to top fill air. Alex does tipping pitches for a year and suddenly Mike Francesa makes it to his personal this. Get it together, man. I know, I'm not I'm not I'm not ready. You're not ready, you're not prepared. You didn't do the work like I do the work. God, I know. You should see this fucking dossier of information about Jacob DeGrom. Alright. Yeah, so the Yankees <laughs> He's still got a little pop in his back, but he doesn't... Ooh, knocked the, knocked the mic over. Whoops. <laughs> <laughs>